Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 94 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll talk about what seems to be a bit of a resurgence in law-related blogging and some of our recommended blogs. In our second segment, we'll share our personal technology resolutions for 2013, and as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start using the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our main topic, and that's notable law blogs, law-related blogs anyway. Each year, a number of uh, outlets publish their list of the best blogs of the year. Uh, Over the past month or so, we've seen some of those lists come out uh, with, I think, some interesting entries. Uh, One of those lists is Dennis's list, his very own bloggy awards. Dennis, do you want to talk a little bit about your awards and some of the other lists that came out recently? Yeah, I think my my bloggies, which is the ninth version of it, are sort of like a testament to what you can do with just a little bit of persistence in the world of, of blogging. <laughs> um, so I had this crazy idea. I was thinking about this time. I started in 2004, and I can't remember whether we were doing uh, Between Lawyers or Blog Channel at the time, but I had this idea to do awards, and, and it's kind of circulated with you and uh, Marty, Ernie, and Denise, and and. Uh, I think it was you, Tom, who said, oh, we should do something where people vote for it. And I, it just seemed logistically it was going to be too difficult. So I had this idea of like, wait, I'll just create my own war- awards, put them out there and see what happens. And maybe other people will do that, too. And so I put them out and, and it's become like a little bit of an institution. So um, it's so every year I just kind of sit back and say, well, which are the blog?" of the law-related blogs, and I say law-related because I try to cover the whole range of, of things, not just lawyers, uh, but everything sort of uh, law-related, um, that I read and kind of pick the ones that, that I prefer and, and then write you know write about them. And it's a way to kind of single out uh, some of the blogs that I like and, and hopefully send people uh, to those blogs. And so you also find some things, two, two other ones I think are interesting, that the Clobbies, which are a Canadian uh, sort of... Of, uh, version of of the bloggies in a way, sort of the notion of categories and and a couple couple winners. Those are done by voting, and then the ABA Journal has done the Blog 100, well, which is another way of uh, picking blogs in in different categories. And and then there's there's a vote there as well. I kind of always like to joke around about the the ABA Journal's Blog 100. That since I write a column for the ABA Journal, I told them that I shouldn't be considered for those the blog 100 awards so i can kind of pretend that i really would have won one every year but <laughs> but i i'm not really involved not, in those nice try but, but yeah, so I think the uh, but they're great. I think those three, and you'll find some other things out there, are just a great way at the end of the year to kind of see which blogs that other people are reading that, that where people are you know might be doing a really good job, and to pick up a, a few blogs to read in your your Google Reader or whatever way you you consume consume blogs. Um, 
So, uh, so that's sort of the the background f- for that. I know Tom, you also keep track of what's you know uh, what's going on in the in the uh, the legal blog world with your blog of the day. So that's uh, that's another way for people to find really good blogs. Well, sure, I, it's a little bit of a different focus. I I find that the awards, your awards, and the ABAs and and the Clawbies, they they tend to single out. I think certain law-related blogs that have great content on a regular basis. I, I I'm surprised that it's still it's still possible to do awards like this. I think that it's getting harder and harder to single out the top ten or even the top one hundred blogs, uh, considering the fact that there are now several thousand of them uh, that uh, that people need to kind of sift through to figure out what's what the best blogs. Still, I think that the awards are valuable because they provide a way for readers to to sort of find the best of the best. What were the best this year? What are the ones that we need to pay attention to um, without having to sort through all those thousands of thousands of blogs that might not be worth the time? I've done the blog of the day post now for maybe eight years. Uh, every weekday, I've tried to feature a law-related blog that uh, that I think is is interesting, but but it's mine is less about the best blogs and more about discovery of blogs. I, I like to mention blogs that are in different areas of law that people might not know about, they might not have come across. I, I would say that the quality of the blogs tends to vary, but one rule that I do follow is that the blogger really has to be active. If I don't want to send somebody to a blog where the person hasn't published, published in three months or, or publishes once every couple of months. I, I really don't think that's a value. And, and, and I think that most of the blogs that are on your list or on the ABA list don't follow that, you know, that pattern either. I think that they are regular posts with, with great content. You know, not uh, my blog of the day post, not every post will be useful to you, but I think that every post is useful to someone, uh, that there'll be someone who finds that particular blog interesting. And, you know, subscribing to my blog is a really easy way of receiving those updates every weekday. So it's it's another way to find out what kind of uh, what kind of blogs are out there. Uh, I I find though that uh, that that and I know that this is something we were talking about before we recorded this. That when it comes time to recommend blogs, and you will see when we start talking about some of the blogs that we like, that it's it's hard to get out of our niche, out of our particular area, and uh, and 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 we tend to focus in areas that we're most comfortable comfortable with. And that's why you probably won't hear me talking about any tax related blogs or uh, environmental lawyer blogs or any of that sort of thing. Uh, do you find that's the case, Dennis? Yeah, I mean. And those are those are great examples because there's a couple tax related blogs that I just think are terrific. But but I think that unlike the the early days of of uh, lawyers blogging when it seemed like you could you would read all all of the blogs you know all the law related blogs whenever whenever they came out now there are just too many of them. And I, I think also the the uh, consumer experience is people focus on their area of interest. So, um, you know, I'm focused on things that relate to what my work is. So I, I like the technology law uh, blogs, some ones related to contracting. I'm, I'm really interested in um, the legal technology law practice, sort of future of law type blogs. And that's reflected in my list. But if, if you get to things that are, you know, anything litigation, you know, regulatory, you know, a lot of those things, I, I, it, it would take somebody who's just a really great writer who's doing something really unusual that that would pull me in that direction. And I think it's really hard 
Uh, for other you know lawyers who are using blogs to to venture uh, that far out of their subject matter areas, I mean, I always encourage people, and that's part of what I'm doing with the blog is to say like, hey, why don't you add a couple of these? They're a little bit outside of your scope, and kind of see what people are doing because because I think one of the tests of a great blog is is that the content is so great and the writing is so good that you say, wow, even though this isn't my area of interest at all, I really enjoy reading this blog and I learn a lot from it. I, I don't know if you have the, a similar t- sort of approach, Tom. Well, when it comes to tax law blogs, I don't have that approach. I I think in general, you're right. I I, I tend to get drawn like you do and, and like others should be to good writing and things that are that are interesting and would capture my interest. I have too many blogs to read though. I have too much to read. So so I really have to cut you know, draw the line and 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 it tip tends to be things that are not in my area of interest. You know, I I, I think I think we, we talk about it as the balkanization of, uh, of, 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 of blogs. If that's what you want to call it, I think really it has existed since early in the blog days. Like, like I said, tax lawyers probably don't want to read the blogs of environmental lawyers and vice versa, unless, as you say, that there might be the exception that, that the, the writing is so good and, the, and it's so interesting that, that it sort of crosses those lines. I think, though, that one area that really appeals to everyone, or I guess maybe I should say should appeal to everyone, is law practice management. Uh, no matter what type of law you practice, you all have to run a business. I think law practice management blogs in general are great at providing that useful information on on running your practice in areas of technology and finance and management and marketing. Uh, I, that's why most of the blogs I'm going to mention are practice management related or, or, or something close to that. Um, Maybe maybe it makes sense now to start talking a little bit about uh, some of the blogs. Recommend some of the blogs either from your list that you want to mention, or uh, and and some of the blogs that I'm I'm going to talk about are not necessarily on the list. But uh, but Dennis, why don't you give it a start and talk about some blogs that you want to shout out as 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 notable blogs that people should take a look at. Well, and let's just start out with what, what my best overall law-related blog was, which is Jordan Furlong's Law21.ca, which I think is a, is a great example of great writing. He, you know, It's both practical and thoughtful, and he thinks about what's going on with uh, the future of the practice, these sort of developments that are sort of perhaps structurally changing the practice of law, and a lot of you know good practical stuff. So um, I think that cuts across everybody. And it's it's something thoughtful. I've you know, uh, and so there are a number of, of blogs in that category. So that was my number one blog, and the number two overall blog I singled out this year, sort of the runner up, was was our friend Sharon Nelson's Ride the Lightning blog, which uh, is sort of an e-discovery and computer security blog in a way. But uh, I just she has a great voice and always has really interesting posts. She had good did a great thing on digital estate planning. But even though I'm not really so focused on those areas, I just really in, enjoy reading that blog. And it's another one that kind of crosses over because all lawyers uh, you know, are impacted uh, by security. So sort of a, the big picture overall uh, best blogs, those were the two I singled out this year, Tom. 
Well, the, uh, two, two that I like a lot, and I'll, I'm going to start with technology because it's my favorite, and, and one of them is is your best uh, legal technology blog, and I'll, I'll echo that choice, and that's iPhone JD. I, I wish I had the time to spend blogging that Jeff Richardson has because every weekday, just almost every weekday, he provides a review of some app or accessory uh, or tip for the iPad or iPhone, and those reviews are in really incredibly in-depth. He goes into a lot of detail on how to use use an app and, and, and how a, an, an accessory happens to work for him, he, I think, really provides a valuable service for people interested in learning how to use their iDevices more effectively. And I guess I, I should also mention that, that I like the Droid Lawyer blog. It's the blog of lawyer Jeff Taylor. He's from Oklahoma. Uh, it's for Android users. Uh, it does the same thing for Android users that that Jeff Richardson's blog does for Apple fans. Uh, although I'm not an Android user, I do use Google products, and, and Jeff really has a lot of interesting things to say on getting the most out of your Google tools. So I, I, I tend to follow both of those uh, uh, religiously. Yeah, and I, uh, the uh, sort of three of the legal technology blogs I mentioned this year as my runners-up are V. Mary Abraham's Above and Beyond KM, which I've always been interested in, in knowledge management. And she's a great li- writer, lots of thoughtful posts about uh, knowledge management and, and, and some of the other things that are happening out there. Um, you know, Ron Friedman's Strategic Legal Technology, again, from my perspective, you know, Ron and I have uh, similar approaches to legal technology. Sort of, sort of big picture legal technology, um, and then uh, I, I, one, I also singled out the Techno Lawyer blog, which is sort of an entry point into the whole uh, you know Neil Squilante's uh, great Techno Lawyer uh, empire, if you will. But that great resource out there that the the blog is is one way that that you can kind of see the great information that's in there. And if I can transition just you know really quickly, the you, I agree with you, Tom. I think that law, the law practice ma- management category really carries over. Um, for everybody. And so I had a number of things in there. Uh, legal project uh, management is a big, uh, you know, big topic in 2012. And I think we'll be in the future. So I like Stephen B. Levy's Lexician, L-E-X-I-C-I-A-N blog, um, which I, I thought was thought was really good. Uh, Jim Calloway's Law Practice Management Tips blog is always great. My co-author, Allison Shields' Legalese blog, lots of great practical information. And uh, Three Geeks in a Law blog, Adam Smith Esquire, oh, the list goes on and on in, in law practice management. Well, let's add to that. Um, I, I've always been a fan of Bob Ambrogi's law sites. I always find it valuable. I part mostly because Bob's not just a lawyer; he's a journalist, and so he's always announcing new websites of interest. He sort of has the inside track. He interviews folks. He does, I think, goes above and beyond what a lot of bloggers tend to do. His blogs also made the ABA Journal Hall of Fame, so I think it's it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I, because I work a lot these days with uh, with electronic discovery, I I read a lot of them uh, to keep up with the latest, and so I so I don't bore the rest of you who have no interest in e-discovery blogs. I'll I'll mention the three that stand out to me. I I probably have a list of about ten to fifteen uh, e-discovery related blogs. These are the three that I I can recommend without hesitation. The first one is Bald in Your Court from our good friend Craig Ball. Uh, I think his is one of the best blogs for taking very complex concepts in e-discovery and making them sound as if all of us could 
could do it. Uh, that if any lawyer could engage in the 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 act of of, of conducting e-discovery, I think it's one of the best. He's one of the best e-discovery bloggers around. Uh, Ralph Losey's e-discovery team is also really good. Um, he dives very deep into cases uh, or or issues that are important to him. His posts are usually long. He typically takes his posts and turns them into a book after he's got a certain number of them out there. I, I think, though, that they're they're well worth reading. And then I will finish by mentioning the Bowtie legal, Law Blog. Uh, Josh Gilliland is a lawyer uh, who regularly reports on recent e-discovery case law. And so it's a great way to see some of the latest, hear, read about some of the latest cases in e-discovery, keep up with uh, what the courts are thinking about it, and keeping up with the latest opinions that are there. Yeah, and it really does illustrate the the balkanization because I when I go to practice specific, I kind of shift completely the the mindset, you know, because I I single out uh, Marty Schwimmer's trademark blog because it's just to me has always been the paradigm of what a good practice specific blog is, and, and I think you would find it interesting even if you're not interested in intellectual property. But I think it's hard for people to reach outside their category, so um, you really see how uh, different that is. And sort of my second in practice specific was. Uh, uh, sort of newish blog from a guy in St. Louis. I just wanted to highlight his work called the Contracts Guy blog. Um, just real practical stuff, kind of with a Missouri focus. Probably wouldn't be interest, you know, as you're saying, Tom, to to a lot of lawyers. Uh, but it's a good example of 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 what what people can do um, as as you go into this practice specific. The other, I also want to. I noticed a trend this year. It's, you don't always see trends in blogging, and kind of why um, I talked in terms of maybe a resurgence in in blogging is it does seem like some of the big firms are starting to put out uh, these group kind of niche. Uh, focused blogs that are actually having a little bit of longevity. Sort of the, the big firm blogging thing used to be that they would launch, you'd see a lot of press releases. I think, you know, they'd figure out a way to get into your blog of the day, Tom, and, and then it seemed like they would just dry up and disappear. But it sort of seems like there's more of of this going on. And so I singled out uh, Morrison and Forster's uh, Mofo Tech uh, blog, which, again, relates to my area of work, which is technology law. Um, and so I think if you kind of do some exploring in your specific area, you're going to find um, some blogs out there that maybe give you uh, more information than you expect. It seems like there's been a little bit of a, a resurgence um, uh, in that. I don't know if you're seeing that as well, Tom. No, I think I think you're seeing I, I think you are seeing um, some of that happening. I, I, I will say that and, and I'll not to give away what I'm going to say at the end of this ses segment, but um, I, I, I think it, it ebbs and flows. I think you'll find some practice-specific blogs that pop up that are great, and you'll see other practice-specific blogs that have been great in the past sort of sort of die out. Um, you know, it really depends n not only on the will of the attorneys uh, to be able to continue a blog, but I think it also depends on their their bandwidth. Uh, it, it takes time to 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 write a blog, and uh, my blog has suffered for that the past couple of years because I just haven't had the time to do it. And I think that's that's reflective just as much in the topic-specific blogs as they are any place else. Um, I'm going to finish up with two other blogs that I'm going to recommend and then turn it over to you for two other blogs. Um, I have been a fan of Brian Garner for a long time now. His elements of legal style and his dictionary of legal usage were on my bookshelves long before he became the editor-in-chief of Black's Law Dictionary. So now on his law prose blog,
blog. He is regularly commenting on the correct usage and writing tips. I think it's a great site, whether or not you're writing legal briefs. I, I tend to follow him on Twitter. I like his tweets a lot. Uh, so I, I actually read him more on Twitter than I do on his blog. But it's really good. And I will finish with a little bit of a self-serving recommendation for Law Technology Today. Uh, it is a uh, the blog of the Legal Technology Resource Center of the ABA. Uh, it's always a great resource for legal technology information. But in the next coming months, I think you're going to see that some of the best minds in legal technology are going to become regular contributors to the blog. So uh, it's definitely worth uh, keeping and subscribing to so that you can, can can start to read from some of the great folks who, uh, who who know about legal technology. Dennis, any to any any blogs to, to wrap up this portion of our segment? Yeah, just a just a couple. And I, you know, you kind of stole my thunder on on uh, the uh, the new uh, technology blog uh, from legal uh, the Legal Technology Resource Center. I, I think that's going to be great because uh, there's really a great cast of writers. Um, I highlighted a couple. I want to highlight uh, Evan Schaefer was one of the early uh, legal bloggers. Uh, who wrote this blog called The Legal Underground. Now he, the blog has changed name to Evan Schaefer's Beyond the Underground. He's collected a lot of his early posts into a new book called How to Feed a Lawyer. And I read that, and it was great. It just reminds me how great a writer Evan was and how much fun it was in the early days of blogging and how much experimentation w- was was going on. And so uh, it seems like he's uh, you know getting that fired back up again. Uh, Tom, and a blog that I think does great content in in uh, this sort of where are we going with legal education is, is something we have very limited involvement with the legal skills prof blog uh, which on a daily basis has three or four posts that really relate to what's happening in sort of practical legal education and what's going on uh, out there and and that's great and then um, I do have to single out one of the tax uh, blogs which is uh, Paul Karen's the tax prof blog, especially, you know, with the fiscal cliff and stuff that he has a great coverage. And, and I always, my compliment to him is that he, you know, he writes so well about taxes that it makes me want to take a, a course from him someday. So I, which is a big compliment, I think, to a law professor coming from a practicing lawyer, because most of the time you never want to take a class again. So let's um, let's finish up this this segment by quickly talking about some of our recommendations and thoughts on maybe the state of the legal blogosphere and and what people can do. I, I want to give a, a a plug for our good friend Ernie Svensson. Um, er, Ernie has written a book uh, called Blogging in One Hour for Lawyers. Uh, I think it's a tremendous resource for lawyers who are trying to decide is blogging right for me. Um, the 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 one hour books that the ABA has put out are, are, I think, short enough to provide a lot of really helpful information in a short period of time. And, and Ernie really doesn't skimp on advice for lawyers who are thinking about creating a blog. He's, he's addressing questions like, why should I blog? What ethics rules would apply to me? Uh, how long do my posts need to be? Who's going to write all these posts? And, and other questions that new bloggers are asking. He, he also goes through an exercise of actually setting up a simple blog. The instructions are, are for a basic type pad blog, but I think the general steps are going to apply no matter what kind of blog platform you choose. It's, a, I think, a great a great short book for anyone who is interested and in thinking about is this right for me is this something i should be doing it's it's available through the through the aba bookstore just search for blogging in 1 hour for lawyers um I also wanted to, to 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 finish up sort of with with my thoughts on where blogging is going and and like I said before 
I really sort of see this entering a period of stasis, uh, that, that new blogs are going to continue to start, uh, tired lawyer bloggers are going to continue to quit publishing, and other blogger, bloggers are going to continue to publish on an erratic basis, an inconsistent basis. I really don't see an, an explosion of blogs coming either this year or in the next coming years. I, I think more lawyers are interested in participating in, in other social media tools than blogs. It, it doesn't take quite as much of a commitment. It's a little bit easier to, to gain entry to those things. And I, I think more lawyers are going to turn to those tools than blogs in the near term. I, 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 I do think that lawyers who are in and working on blogs are going to continue, but I think we'll just continue to see that sort of steady, uh, steady uh, both ebb and flow of bloggers coming and going um, in the legal blogosphere. Uh, and uh, I, I guess that's my thought for the next year. Dennis, what about you to close out the segment? Yeah, I, I I think this the same thing. I mean, I, I think that long time, a number of the long time bloggers, including me, uh, have been talking about uh, finding ways to re-energize their blogs and going back to the blog. And and I I think that it's it's become is I think it's always been the case, but I, I think it's become very clear that blogging is really a writer's medium, and so it works great for people who are writers because it's just it's fantastic outlet to write. And so I think that some of the longer, uh, longer running blogs, I look at Evan Schaefer and I, I expect to see him writing more experimental stuff, less stuff related to law. Um, I may go in some of those directions to kind of go more off topic. So I think that you, you see that. And then, like I said, I see a bit of a trend with where it makes sense for, or I see the bigger firms saying, oh, the blog is a great alternative to the email newsletter. And so you could see some of that. But I think it all comes back to Dave Weiner's notion that, you know, blogging is the unedited voice of a person. And, and I always think about that. And, and so I, I think that uh, that's why I don't see you expect to like you, Tom, I see ebb and flow and things like that. And some new people started in blogging, but I think it's people can realize it's a writer's medium and there are, there are different alternatives, but I, I think I still expect to see a lot more energy uh, from people who've been blogging for a long time. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to introduce us to the world of cloud computing and how it can be beneficial to lawyers and law firms. Jack, we're hearing great things about cloud computing and its utility for law firms. Can you tell me why so many lawyers are excited about cloud computing? I think the most important thing about cloud computing from a lawyer's perspective is that it gives them the power and breadth of features that traditional desktop and server-based software uh, gives them without all of the IT overhead and inconvenience. So there's uh, all the benefits and none of the downsides of traditional desktop-based software, and they're able to focus on practicing law with a really solid cloud computing platform behind them. So I think that's where you're seeing a lot of the, the excitement is they're now able to realize the, the potential of IT without all of the headaches. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. 
And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we wanted to answer a common question we get this time of year, and it goes like this. What are your personal technology resolutions for the new year? Tom, what's on your list this year? Well, I have learned from previous years that if you have too many resolutions, uh, the chances of getting any one of them done go down in proportion to the number of resolutions you have. So I'm going to focus my personal technology resolutions on one specific task, and that is getting better control over my note taking and and learning more about the tools that I use to take notes and keep information sort of as my personal memory. Um, I use two different note programs. I use one for work. I use one for everything else, and I have a specific reason for that. I um, I recently started using Microsoft OneNote at work. We we create a OneNote notebook for each client. Uh, we store it in a central location where it can be synced, um, and and multiple consultants can access it. They can all if there's multiple consultants working on a project, we can all access that uh, that that notebook. That's where we keep just about every note and reference that is related to that particular client and that particular project. I I think that OneNote's Integration with other Microsoft products is great. I can insert meeting details from Outlook. I can uh, create Outlook tasks from specific notes. And I can I can take any Office document, a Word document or an Excel spreadsheet, and I can print it directly into OneNote so that I have that document there as a reference uh, uh, when, I'm, when I'm dealing or meeting with the client. If I'm keeping notes for myself, though, I, um, I, I use Evernote. I tend to prefer Evernote. I think it has the edge over OneNote, at least for me, because I can access Evernote everywhere on any computer or mobile device that I have with OneNote. I can only access notes if they're stored in Windows SkyDrive and the mobile apps I think are not quite as powerful as they are for Evernote. Um, I really, and we've talked much, we've talked a lot about Evernote on this podcast so I won't go into detail here. I think they're both really amazing apps for taking and managing notes and I just don't know enough about how to use them. There is so much about them that I'm not using. And so that's my resolution for this year. I, I want to learn how to use both of them better, learn more about the features they have so that I get more control over my notes and other reference materials. Dennis, what about you? You know, I was thinking about this because uh, if I remembered what last year's resolutions were, I could probably go back to them because kind of between uh, my own health issues with the blood clot, the the final illness of, of my mom and her funeral and, and all, and writing the Facebook and LinkedIn and One Hour's books, Kind of my whatever resolutions I might have had last year, kind of I didn't find the time for them. But uh, so I this year I agree with you, Tom. There's a certain sense if you try too many things, you, you'll get nothing done. Um, and so one of mine is last year I didn't get that much chance to to speak about technology. So I, I I think I'd like to do a little bit more of that this year. Maybe maybe look a little bit more for that and, and find some topics. I mean, obviously the social media and, and other topics like that, but to try to find some some outlets for that again. I mean, sort of big one, and Tom, you and I have kind of talked about this. I have a name for this, which probably, for this project, which probably means it, it really has no chance of getting done, but I call it Tech, <laughs> tech Zero or Tech Refresh, where I just want to go back and sort of say, Hey, how? Let me look at how I'm using technology, and you know, do I have? I know I have too many programs. Can I kind of streamline all this, simplify what I'm doing? And if I went back to zero um, and started up, what would it look like? What would I keep? What would I get rid of? And that's something I'd like to take on. I know I want to try to to make a movement. Uh, I had the the new iPad Mini. I really want to try to make that more of a central 
piece of what I'm doing. And then I have the simple thing where I, I really do want to re-energize my blog. And I'm toying with this question and answer format as a way of doing that. And actually, I've gotten really good reactions from people who appreciate or seem to want me to to post more often. And so my goal there is to, to maybe try to get back to sort of three times a week uh, blog posting. And then the last thing is because I always like to learn something new in technology every year. And so um, where I'm headed this year is this notion of content strategy. Um, so there's a, a new book and a great presentation from our number of great presentations you can find on the internet from uh, Karen McGrain. That's M-C-G-R-A-N-E. Um, and she has a great uh, presentation called Adapting Ourselves to Adaptive Content that we've, I think I might have mentioned on a parting shot once. Um, but the notion is is kind of going into saying, how do we repurpose, how do we create content so it can be repurposed in all the different devices and all the different size screens that we have? And, and I'm really fascinated by that content. So that's, that's probably, if there's an area of technology I'm looking to learn, it would be that. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. I was listening to the Lifehacker podcast. It's a, a great podcast. If you don't listen to it, I, I started listening to it weekly, and I think it's really a, it got some interesting information. And um, they um, listed as one of their parting shots an article from Lifehacker. It's called Five Custom Searches That You Should Enable Right Now. And um, something that I didn't ever realize about if you're a Chrome or a Firefox user, you actually have the ability to set up specific custom searches within the, the search bar that, that work, I think, so much better than just going to Google and entering a few search terms. The, the article teaches you how to set up those searches so you can do things like search for page, pages within the last year on Google, search uh, Wikipedia for telephone or television episodes or music albums, get driving directions to an address, search whatever site you're currently viewing, other really cool tricks. The, the first one I mentioned, uh, searching for pages within the last year on Google, is something I would use all the time. I, I, when I search Google, I'm frequently looking for articles. I want to see a review of a particular product and I want to see something within the last six months or so. I don't want to see something that's a year old. So I have to go to, to do that. I have to go to Google search tools and customize the date to be able to, to narrow that down. With a custom search, um, it will automatically search for articles within that specific date range, which I, I think is pretty cool. So check it out and try some of these out for yourself. And that reminds me, I'm on the search thing. I was talking to, to, uh, to a friend uh, who's a lawyer who was who saying that uh, at his or her firm, uh, not to reveal any identity, that both the young lawyers and the older lawyers really have problems searching Google. And uh, I've mentioned this before, but it's it's worth uh, worth finding for people is uh, Google has this Google power searching online class that's uh, it's a series of videos, very painless. You learn a, a lot of great stuff about how to use Google better. Uh, just Google power searching uh, uh, in Google and, uh, and you'll know, find that uh, probably as the first result. So I, I want to mention that. The other one is uh, it's kind of a reference to, to a new thing from Ev Williams, uh, who's one of the Twitter people, uh, medium.com. It's a little bit unclear what this is, but it's sort of something that's not quite blogging, but another content delivery thing, something more than Twitter, but maybe not quite blogging. Um, and I found something on there by uh, someone named Josh Miller. It's called uh, 
10th grade tech trends. And it's really great because he talks to, he, he found out what 10th graders are interested in, what technologies interest them, and what their reactions are to things like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, then tries to draw some conclusions about what that might mean for us as, as we go forward. And it's actually really a, a fascinating thing to, to uh, think about. Uh, so 10th grade tech trends. Uh, so if, if you can't figure out what new tech tech trends are going to be for lawyers. Let's, let's go to the 10th graders because they probably have a better, uh, better idea than we do. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes under the new Legal Technology Resource Center podcast network. Our archives of previous podcasts are still available in iTunes uh, and on the Legal Talk Network website. If you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>